and welcome to another exciting episode of Movie Victory. I'm your host, as always, David Victory. Um, today we're talking about scenes of a marriage. How are you doing with Good. With me, as always, is Huey JPEG. David, did you know that airplanes in the night sky are like shooting stars? Um, I, I don't know if I know that now. Still, I feel like I've seen both, and they look different. But um, well, I don't. Let me tell you, it depends I, on where you are in the world, maybe. Because mm -hmm. if you're close enough That's right. to, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I don't say, maybe if the airplane's blowing up, that would just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not I, funny. Let, That's, it, let me tell you, really. I could really use a wish right now, and it would be for this airplane I'm wanting to blow up. Calling you from the skies. Calling me from the skies today. Right. Wow. Yeah, we got free Wi-Fi on this airplane with you, Wawa. Uh, okay, well, that, I, I hope the plane does not blow up, if not for your sake, for all the other people, I mean. Yeah. Well, terrorism is not no. funny. No, he should not laugh or joke about it. So, scenes of a marriage. Episodes four and five, respectively. Four and five, yes. That is what we're talking about right now. Um, we both have watched the whole series, so so it is yes. going to be kind of weird uh, talking. But this is it's a, this is a dark episode. Um, yeah, this is the fight episode, the big yeah, fight. Yeah, so they the sign the divorce papers is what is happening in this episode. Um, time has mm -hmm. passed. Both episodes, the time was a little different. Uh, the the thing that I picked up on was the daughter's age is kind of the determining factor um, hmm. of how long it had been. No, wait a second. Now I'm confusing it. That's the, that's the next episode. That that's a, there's a difference in age. To, I don't remember how much. I think it's about the same. Like it's been like maybe a year or two since the last episode, and they're they're finally signing the. Yeah, I think they may have said two years. Yeah, like so that. I don't think it's actually that big of a difference in this one. It's yeah, it's either one or two years, and. They might both be the same, it's been a while. or maybe one's different or the other. I can't remember. Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's been a hot minute. Um, the cheater case. Although in the reboot, it's actually it's been a cold minute. Oh really? Because it's because it's cause snowing. It's cold outside. Mm -hmm. And so one of the main differences in the series is the use of the physical house to represent the marriage that we picked up on so aptly uh, a couple episodes ago um, mm -hmm. or maybe very recently and I was thinking about it for this one where we see the location doesn't change in the reboot it's still at the house mm -hmm. but in the in the yeah. um, original we're now at her office that's where the main scene mm -hmm. scene mm -hmm. happens that's right that's right because that's because she's the divorce right. lawyer so they're signing the papers there so that makes yep. sense and they yeah. do change locations they go out to eat um at one point where our the reboot they talk about going out to eat but they never do never do 
Sad. Could have changed the whole evening. Well, it didn't in the original, so... I don't, I don't, yeah. That's true. Very similar. True. Once again... Yeah, word-for-word word dialogue, and this one... Maybe all of them has had word-for-word word dialogue at some point. Um, Almost. Yeah, at some point in the episode, there's a direct... Like, side, you could do a side-by-side of them, and the gender-swap characters are saying the same thing. What do you think of the openings doing the openings like, uh, like we're just catching them on set? The yeah, film the set? set openings. Of the yeah, the super meta thing. Um, so for those who haven't seen it that are for some reason listening to this obscure podcast... What is um, wrong with you? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Do something else no, with your I, life. No, I mean, we need the listeners, but... I'm just curious, like, how, how did you, were you just like, well, let's, let's talk about one of the big topics, scenes of a marriage, which I've been thinking about a lot, because it's not scenes of the marriage, it's a marriage, and I was like, just how mm -hmm. this marriage isn't really representing anything but one singular marriage. I guess I've been thinking about that a lot, mm -hmm. how it's not really significant <laughs> for like a rule you know i was just like i was like mm -hmm. well i mean go ahead only in the last only in the last episodes which this podcast episode is not about do we really get to see them outside of that because we get to see them with their respective other partners we finally get to see what polly looks like that kind of thing um i don't uh, i don't think i understand your question no i don't have a question i'm just saying that during most of my viewing of the show, I've been thinking about it as representing somehow, like not all marriage. all marriage, but a certain whatever you want to call it, a certain sect of marriages, like a percentage of, of marriages, or maybe some overlapping things that are in all marriages. Um, so you would prefer that it be called scenes of the marriage. No, I guess I was, I'm saying that I was viewing it like that. So that's, that, that's. So maybe scenes as if from um, marriages. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. I have to cut yeah, that out. Exactly. Because, okay. <laughs> I don't think I can look at that. <laughs> All right, uh, Dave Victory is playing with the Zoom so that we are both, uh, instead of in our respective homes, although in my case I'm on an airplane, he has now put us sitting at the same desk, fa not facing each other, uh, and it's very funny looking. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense for us to be doing a show right now looking like this. Um... We're kind yeah. of in chairs. Okay. I feel like this is a cool one. I, this is a new thing in Zoom, and you can, yeah, those listeners mm -hmm. can. Um, it's really important to do as much visual humor as you can in a podcast. That, that's what that's yes. what I've that's what I've heard. Uh, but yeah, no, okay. my whole thing with all I'm saying about this is that. I was viewing it in a certain way, like, oh, this is trying to make a comment on all marriages. And now I've kind of realized that that is not how I'm interpreting it anymore. Now I'm... I'm it's the specificity. Yeah, I think it's... 
of this. Yeah, it just yeah. seems very grounded in a certain this very specific marriage. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't yes. seem to exist very much outside of that. And um, yeah, I don't know. What did what did you think? Did you think about that? Um, did you always kind of view it as just this specific marriage, or your thoughts? I mean, it's both. It's, uh, you can only film one couple. I mean, I suppose you could do, like, an omnibus thing and show many different marriages, but that's not what they're doing. But I think it's just, regardless of the specifics that this couple may go through, there are universal moments. Even though their jobs are different, or the way they express themselves are different, it doesn't matter because the emotional content is the same. Although, of course, not every marriage goes through divorce and not every marriage uh like in this episode are there domestic disputes and not every marriage has i mean the list goes on uh so despite the fact that the specifics are uh unique to whichever couple you might be filming there's still some universal qualities <laughs> you gotta stop doing that. No, no, this 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 version is Wait, no, wait, leave it there for a second. I'm gonna take a this screenshot. Version, I'm just huge right now. And <laughs> and Huey J is okay. it's just tiny. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. really funny. I'm gonna put my my finger up like I'm ready. I wanna speak. Okay, yeah. That's good. Okay. Okay. Alright, um, what else? This really helps show my lack of a, my lack of limbs. Yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I've noticed as well. You were going for that. Okay, um, so, both, I think both episodes are called The Illiterates? Yes, The Illiterates, because they can't read. Read. They can't read the, the divorce papers, and so... We also learn, therefore, it's not explicitly stated, but you can put two and two together and realize that this quote-unquote divorce lawyer has, in fact, feigned being able to read her whole life and has done quite well for herself. Yes. And it's just like, because let's face it, she doesn't have to read the divorce papers. She She makes the people getting divorced read them, and she's like, you just need to sign here. Right? That's her job. And uh, that's why I think... It's called The Illiterates? It's because they're... It's called The Illiterates and also why in the reboot, Jessica Chastain keeps delaying the signing of the divorce and the finalizing of it um, by saying, I need to read over it again. I need to read it. He's like, we've read over it hundreds of times. We We both know exactly what's in it. It's been negotiated for years. And she's like, I need to read it over it again. And we, the audience, there's a dramatic irony there because Oscar Isaac doesn't know she can't read. Yeah, yeah, that's so what, that's what's going just, on. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's secretly a little. That's that's maybe her, that's maybe her secret and his secret. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, well, they don't know the title of the he's episode. A, he's a we college do. professor, but it's possible. I mean, we see him writing at one point, but it's, yeah. <laughs> he does have the morning pages, yeah. Uh, well, I'm talking about the Swedish version, Johan. Johan is, like, typing at his key- oh, yeah. keyboard. Um, so I'm like, mm-hmm. the girl, yeah. Marion, 
Yeah, and that's it. well. That's the thing. It's somewhat reading several times, like her reading like novels and books. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Johan is illiterate in the original, and Jessica Chastain's Mira is illiterate in the new right, one. Right. I'm just saying, Mira's like seen, and their spouses don't Mira know that. So it's is also seen, like with books open, reading them in the. the yeah, she's faking it. That's all to keep up but the there's ruse. There's no one there when she's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> would she listen I'm just telling you how I interpret it herself to feel better it's in case anyone walks in, in the room walks... and they go oh my reading wife and she's like haha you know I I think there oh. should be more done to celebrate those who have um, managed and not been able to read right like I, I don't know like I feel like there should be less shame and Here's some people who you know, managed to be successful. To get, get yeah, because I'm like, yeah. just sometimes it just doesn't happen for people for whatever reason. Uh, Is it really necessary to like even if you if you're gonna like drive right like there's not that many signs like you know that a stop sign is red you know what it looks like you don't need to be able to read the squiggly lines. On I it. I yeah. think that obviously reading and writing is just really important for a lot of reasons however i also think that right now it isn't really necessary it's becoming less and less necessary to get get by mm -hmm. and um i've actually this is something i've been thinking about uh, a lot because i if you think about society we were primarily an oral uh tradition for a long time Sure. Reading sure. as a personal experience, like I'm publishing a book and millions of people are going to read it on their own. That That's a relatively new thing. Before, it's you have mm -hmm. the select people that are reading and then telling other people in an oral tradition. So it's still the, the masses. It's always been an oral tradition. So I think we're, we're evolving back into that. I'm not saying like tomorrow, but I, I just think that that's going to become more and more the norm um yeah the next 50 to 100 years um yep. and I, I don't know i'm not and i mean of course you as a teacher you see i guess the um how do i want to put it the difficulty or the fumbling of the english language in some of your students well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it like, I just, I would say that language is just evolving and what the purpose of language and how it's used is, is changing. And, and we, we think about yes. one of the primary reasons why um, it's learned to, write, to speak and write in standard written English is for economic reasons, you know, and then, but when you talk about the ways that we exclude people like it's a whole thing we don't have to get into it with language yeah, yeah. but I, I mean for me I just think about how much really lang like whatever skill set you're talking about should serve an economic purpose and um, I think the being able to speak and write well is becoming less and less uh, essential for uh, for you to get by economically which does mm -hmm. mean, though, the people that can speak and write well are b having now a more exclusive skill set that's become going to become more valuable. So, um, take mm. that for yeah. So I guess I, so good so good and bad. So people that are good at this are going to have a more specialized skill set. But yeah. yeah.
This has been Future Predictions with David Victory, a new segment Yeah, and apparently show. people are, are researching this, so, you know. Literacy devalued. Yeah. yeah. I need, like, a, a stamp sound effect. But um, when you think about what a poem is, it usually was always spoken orally. I guess I'm just kind of like, this whole idea of reading as a person is a relatively new thing. Um, or reading as, you know, reading as an individual, that being your primary source to, uh, to get any kind of, um, any kind of author's books. Anyways, back to scenes of a marriage. I don't know what, what you're doing. You're, just, you're like pulling up music. Or... We are recording this like really late. Yeah. Um, back to the show. Yes. So. And I, I do think that maybe see. we should start recording these as audio only and stop just printing out the transcripts. And mm -hmm. you know, maybe people would like to just listen to the to the show. It's one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it would help help people that are not reading the transcripts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think, I think that makes more sense than us just recording these and then turning them into transcript. Mm -hmm. So, how do we feel about the divorce episode? Or the, the prolonged uh, not signing of it? It is... So, I feel... I've, it's it's tough because it's it's a lot in this episode. She's. I feel like how should we what should we call these characters? Because we're both. I want to talk about both versions at the same time, and since they're both their names are different, it's always kind of. Can we just say like husband and yeah, wife? Yeah, but I mean, but if I'm saying. But the genders, the genders are swapped. swapped. That's what I'm saying. That's an, it's annoying. So cheat cheater and cheater. Whole cheater body. And homebody. Okay. Sure, <laughs> I guess that's that's as good as anything. Um, cheater and care and care. Cheater and che cheater and cheater and caretaker. We'll just go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so the cheater is now kind of things are bad in their personal life. Um, they have, I think, left uh, the guy or the you know the girl. Um, or they're at least like fighting. There's like jealousy issues. Um, I think I think uh, Paula and Pauline both have like left them. We find out kind of at kind of mm -hmm. at the end. Um, and both the cheaters reveal that they want the person back. Yep. Uh, and which Oscar Isaac points out uh, as the caretaker. He goes, "You only want me back because you just lost your job and." Your partner. Yeah. That's not really wanting me. And then he says, uh, pretty pointedly, I think both both caretakers say to some extent, I don't desire you anymore in that way. Yep. After they have sex. Right. They have sex and then it's and then it's right. like, guess what? I felt nothing. Ha 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 ha. Right. That's what caretaker does. Caretaker like mm -hmm. um is the aggressor for the sex, which I think, I mean, we know that that the caretaker has another person that they're with at the time. Or no, I guess in reboot mm -hmm. they're not. Reboot, it's uh, they think about they're thinking about like having a child with a woman, but I don't think they are dating someone. I don't think caretaker is. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But I do think 
I don't know if Liv Ullman says this, but Oscar what? Isaac definitely says afterwards, after the sex, he talks about how he was like dissociating during the sex, and he talks about like what he was thinking about while they were doing it. I forget what he says, but he was like he talks about how he wasn't fully present just now while they had sex, um, which I thought was interesting. Do you ever does your mind ever wander off? You ever just start thinking about other stuff, like what you got to do tomorrow, or like you just. I feel like nobody really has like laser focus during during a tryst. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I feel like this is definitely not. I mean, I, I feel like the context. I think sure, someone could certainly their mind could drift off during intercourse. True. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this context, we're supposed to kind of look at it more like he's not. He's not connected to her anymore, you know, or or the mm-hmm. caretaker is not, and the caretaker is the one who's the aggressor, which is interesting in both. Like the the caretaker is mm-hmm. kind of like, I need to do this for me, and then they both are just like, yeah. guess what? I'm having sex with other people, and it's better. And the sex sex with mm-hmm. you is kind of just, uh, you know, it just it's not it's not like bad, it's not yeah. good. It's just kind of like. Yeah, is what it is. it's like meaningless, yeah. you know. It's not what I. It's not what I need. It's not what I physically realized that I need once yeah. I got it. That right. Kind of thing. Yeah, right. and it's uh, the next episode. That's even. That's whatever. Even, even more, more pronounced. pronounced. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um. But either way, in both episodes, like you said, the caretaker is the instigator of the sex. Although I think it was probably inevitable anyway. And uh, then they both both reveal afterwards that the, as I like to call it, the faucet of feeling has been turned off. <laughs> the faucet? I, I, I never the call it that. The faucet of feeling. <laughs> you know, it, I'm going to have to cut out all this laughing. You know what? I'm sorry. Things are just not working out. Like, our, you know, our faucet of feeling is just... My faucet of feeling has been turned off. We got. I had some leaky pipes for a while. Still had some drip, drip feelings for you. Now, those pipes are barren, baby. I wish I could help you out. They turned off our. <laughs> they turned off our water supply. Between you and I. Ah, uh, I, yeah. Uh, that's a poem. That's those are some morning pages. For sure. Um, yeah. Not sure how I feel about faucet of feelings, but, but it is fun. <laughs> It's fun to say. Uh, it's off. I'm just like, where where are all the feelings going? Just down the drain. Well, it's because when you're in love with them and it's all it's uh, it's going well and there's, there's you know, plenty of po- positive interactions and sexual uh, stuff going on. Uh, the faucet is on, right. baby. You yeah, are you in are, it. <laughs> you're flooding your house. You are you are yeah. gushing. Maybe at least it's yeah. in the bath or something, or a hot tub faucet. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. flood or overflow. I know, because that's a lot. Um, so they, uh, the caretaker um, takes the opportunity to just be like, yeah, it's just not it's not what I'm into anymore. And, they're, mm. and they are over the person then. They're just kind of like... It's in, it's interesting. I was thinking about it. it's. Um, I don't know what you think about this. It's it's the reverse of episode two, where in the episode two those characters 
or on different pages in the other way, where mm. you have um, the one who's right, leaving. The one who's leaving. Episodes two yeah, and three. Cheater, and that one is like, oh, I've just met this other person. I went through this whole transformation and didn't tell you for like six months, which you know, I was having an affair and. I've been seeing a different right. faucet, and it's yep, better. Exactly, and um, our uh, caretaker is just shocked and doesn't know what to do and is like processing it and now they have I just thought that was interesting they have a reverse of that uh, um, yeah we have well because the cheater has lost everything that they chose to invest right, in anyway. the cheaters lost their job and um, with Ackerman which Ackerman is the name of, a, of the character in both which I thought was interesting like in Johan's mm -hmm. world Ackerman is um, somebody who got like the touring job that he wanted he's like he's like oh we mm -hmm. let ackerman do the touring series or whatever and i think we actually finally see ackerman in the last episode we do and he's just kind of that like squatting guy when uh yeah when ackerman's kind of like oh are you are you having sex with lena you know that because everybody everybody's asking mm -hmm. him um because lena sounds yeah i don't know lena sounds great everybody seems to think that lena's Everybody seems to love Lena. She was, I think She's this is a girl. very 1970s, this is a very 50 years ago thing of the, they purposely hired the, the cute young secretary, right? I think that's what Lena represents. It's like the, because they make it very clear that she's young and attractive. Even, who's the woman uh, from episode one that comes in and she like is flirting with Johan and then she gets all pissed off. We are jumping totally to the other episode. Well, right you're now. doing that. I'm. I'm not. Com I'm not commenting. All right. All right. I'll cut it out. It's just because we brought up Ackerman. Right. Right. I was just commenting. I. Yeah. I don't remember her name either. But um. Yeah. We find out that they've. That. That's an interesting difference, though, in that episode. Is is her. Mm -hmm. We don't get to see Pauline, but we get to see. Pa no. We we get to, we don't get to see Paula, but we get to see Polly, which is a whole other thing. Right. Um. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad we did. I did. I I, I like that. Mm -hmm. Um. Now now I'm, now I'm talking about episode the last episode. Ugh. Right. That's let's funny. um. Let's go um, back. I mean, the only thing that we can even talk about for episode four, really, because it's just sex, delaying the divorce papers, argument, fight. Yep. And like, what is there to talk about other than the fight? It's the real like. Dramatic. It's the real drama, and the real like when you're done watching it, you're like, oof, you know. Um, I mean, that's the difficult thing about episode four of the reboot and five of the original is like watching the slow burn of like them being sort of cordial, polite at first, having sex, then sort of some some reveals about how they both really feel, or at least how they feel right now. Uh, being in contrast with each other, the refusal to sign the thing because the cheater doesn't actually want it to end, and then the actual physical fight, which is just as jarring in each episode. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Tough, tough uh, pill to swallow. The whole, just watching the whole slow burn build up of like how they get to that point is so. It just sucks to watch. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I agree. I, I felt like it's not a huge part of the episode in this of like time wise. It doesn't last that last That's that true. long. Um, but it's there, and it, and I and I feel like I get a little bit of a disconnect in this episode, part partly because mm. of that, and it comes off as almost a little um, Greek tragedy esque, like in the the extended metaphors of like everything that they're doing, and so it's like I definitely mm. I don't know if this is just me, but I just kind of thought about how we're like we're almost seeing these stages of a relationship that they're going through in a very primitive way. And so like the fighting just seems more representative to that than really to be a exploration of domestic violence. Um, but it can't, there's no reason it can't be both. That's true. I think what's interesting is not the the act itself, like, which, like you said, only lasts like a minute or less compared to the rest of the episode. But I think it's the slow build that gets them to that point and the sort of the breaking point of that seems important to me. I don't know. It doesn't feel slapped on to the end to me or anything. It feels, I don't want to say completely natural because that sounds weird uh, in the context of this, but... it does add a more tragic element because of course in both of them once hands are thrown they both go Jesus Christ they, well they don't say this but you can hear you can feel them thinking I can't believe we've gotten to this point finally and then they both silently sign the, the divorce paper it's like that is the decisive moment even for the person who didn't want to sign it they're like yeah I can't you're right fuck this this is, a, this is insane uh, and so to me it's like the crux of the episode because even the person who didn't want to do it is like you're right this is bad we need to end this right it's the breaking point I want them to stay together I'm just like don't uh, well they kind of do mean, yes and no but <clears throat> it's yeah <laughs> yeah now I definitely want to jump to the next episode um, I'm trying not to say anything um, I mean, it would be funny to just call this episode episodes four, five, and six. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just cram them all in. Fine, it's just because it's hard not to talk about now that we've seen the last episode. It's hard not to talk about it. How in the last episode they are sort of back together in the sense that they're both cheating on partners. Um, in the reboot, the only difference is is that. Um, cheater isn't with anyone that we find out where in right well it seems like she's temporarily been dumped by Polly who of course then that, that's another thing that kind of doesn't happen in the original is we see Polly and he clearly wants right. her back and she's over and she's over yeah. it now and so this the same dynamic that was going on with them has been reversed once again with her other partner with the partner she cheated on in the Right. right in the, uh, she does to Polly what Oscar Isaac but I, did. To I her. guess that was a little unclear to me, like <clears throat> how long they had been together since then. It was clear that she wanted him or he wanted her back. That was clear, but I didn't understand like the context and I, of their like meeting and if they had been together recently or not. Um, 
in the it's much the context in the Swedish version is much clearer where Johan is married to another woman that's not Paula um, I don't know her name but I, I feel like that was clear that he's married to someone else and, and um, the woman who we met in the first episode who works with him um, indicates that she and, and Johan have had an affair and that and she throws herself at Johan, and, and Johan just rejects her. And it's just kind of like, not interested, it's over between us. And um, so that, the Swedish version, it's like he's changed as a person a little bit. Like he's, he mm -hmm. wants his old wife back, and... Um, Which they say, too. I mean, there's a moment when they, once they get to the cottage in episode six, where she's like cradling him and she she says she doesn't say you've changed so much but she says you've become so much more gentler yeah. in yeah. your old age right you've become so much more tender this kind of thing which is another nice contrast the woman who i guess he's been having a fling with who's the dinner guest in the original uh, first episode uh he breaks up with her at the beginning of episode six which does not happen i guess the contrast is he calls his wife and his wife and son call him on FaceTime and he like goes to the bathroom I think would be the only equivalent to Johan sort of breaking up with this woman while she's accusing him of going on a date with Lena uh, not realizing he's going on a date with his oh, ex-wife oh I thought the, right? the that the parallel was the scene with um with uh Mirren and and Polly that was the same sequence Oh yeah, you're right yeah. about that. Um, but uh, but that's, that's what I was saying, that the context in that one is much less clear. Where in the Swedish version, it's very clear right. what's going on. And the... Right, but what, what I was responding to was she, his ex-wife, Liv Ullman, says, oh, you're so much more tender and humble and right. this and that in your old age. Whereas this woman, who it seems he's been having an off and on thing with that he's now she's accusing him of being with Lena and he's sort of laughing it off and then he finally says you know what you're right I don't want to see you anymore yeah. and she's like great and walks off and then comes back in and starts berating him and one of the things she does I think the opposite of that she doesn't say oh you're so much more gentle and tender in your old age she's like you've gotten shorter and that's such a good metaphor for how small you've become and this sort of thing so she belittles him for his uh his softened demeanor is interpreted in two different ways. One person says you've become a coward, the other person says you've become more humble, you know, and so they're commenting on the same phenomenon of him, you know, because when, when you age, sometimes men, especially like, you know, grandpas will lose an inch or two, you know, whether they're hunching or whatever. Like my dad got an inch shorter uh, in the last like 10 years. And uh, it's just a thing that happens. and. The way that they comment on how he's not as, you know, brave or audacious as he used to be, uh, is interesting to me. One one woman belittles him for it, while the other one says, "I like that about you. I like that you're gentler now." You know, and I think that's really that's a nice little contrast there. I was definitely thinking in the original version. Yeah, he is that selfish jerk that she's describing. Like, I was kind of, like, agreeing with all of her things about him. And, um... Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think he necessarily would disagree with those things. I feel like he he's no. he's um there's a lot of awareness in his he's character pretty, now or he's pretty self aware, yeah. Very much a misogynist that we see more in episode six and having these terrible sexist views about women and um her marriage like there's so much more focus on sex in the original version than the, the reboot which is mm -hmm. whatever <clears throat> kind of interesting but one of, the, one of the interesting moments of like casual misogyny in the original is when he uh they go to this cottage and they're like this is weird this is our old place that we don't want to be here which is the opposite of what happens in the new one where they go to their they, they rent their old house they lived in on Airbnb and then stay there the whole night. Whereas in the original, they go to this cottage that they one of them owns, I guess. And the, it's within five minutes, they're like, uh, do we really want to stay here? Feels weird. And he's like, we could go to Frederick's college. Or <laughs> we could go to Friedrich's cottage. And he calls him and is like, hey, don't tell your wife, but I've got to... He basically uses the right. Lena thing. He's like, hey, I've got to... I've got a hot young girl. Can you let me borrow the cottage? You know, just between you and me. And so there's a there's a casual misogyny of like, uh, you know, men talk for lack of a better phrase. Uh, that it's a it's a funny moment, but not funny, haha. -ha, like funny in a oh yeah, that's real. Uh, he would because of course he also doesn't want him to know that he he doesn't want anyone to know that he's with his ex wife. So he has to lie in some way. But it's interesting that he takes that approach. He's like, it's like the uh, living vicariously thing. He's like calling his friend, and he knows how this male friend thinks or acts. And he's like, hey, guess what? I got a, you know, hot little thing to go to the cottage. And there's kind of a cute moment where he's describing her, but he's actually describing Liv Ullman, and Liv Ullman sort of smiles and like feels like a little cheeky about it. Um, and he's like, oh, she's got a great figure and all this stuff, and Liv Ullman sort of poses by the door. And it's it's actually a pretty cute moment, but it still comes from that, this, like, fictional misogynistic thing that he's doing on the phone. So that's an interesting scene to me. It's like how that plays out is is amusing and also, like, disconcerting. And then they go to the other cottage, and then the rest of the episode happens. Yeah, I mean, I... That, that is one of the things, I feel like one of the more upsetting things that we learn in, in the Swedish version is that Liv Oldman is married and the guy cheats on her and apparently the sex is just like so good that she just kind of puts up with it. Like, I don't, I don't know what you mm -hmm. two... Well, let's, she's also cheating right, on her yeah. so, with Johan and she also reveals during their dinner that she cheated on him shortly after they had right. a kid. Or like early in their mm -hmm. marriage, I thought she said, or maybe it was more than once though. Yeah. Um, she said it was she said it was after they had a kid because she's like, then I came home to you and whatever their daughter's name is. Yeah, so we find out oh, yeah. like she's not like I felt like that was kind of uh a different take in the original one. Um, but that, mm -hmm. her current marriage, I felt like was like the most upsetting where it's just kind of like, she's in this loveless marriage really. And, um, it's functional, but it's mostly based on lust, right. I guess, or at least their, their physical compatibility. Maybe we shouldn't say lust, but 
because there is more to it. It can be a very satisfying dynam dynamic to have a what do you call it? puzzle piece of a part. Sure. Uh, but uh, but I would say this this obviously would, it emasculates it, Johan, right? No, Sorry, yeah, you're fine. I would say this movie almost tells you how having a like one of the things that they disagreed about was their sex life and um we see her with somebody who gives her a satisfying sex life and how unhappy she is in that relationship so that that i was just kind of like oh here you know but it's like do you just want what you don't have but i think there is more to it than that because um i think their their relationship or their marriage does seem to be a lot more uh you know it's like the band-aid that uh the, the, a line in the HBO version where he says it's like you know you take off the band-aid it's like you, you can try to put it back on or does he say tape tape or a band-aid tape yeah yeah but the it, it'll never stick as well the second yeah, time exactly. yeah exactly so it's that is a cute yeah. little metaphor does she ex does she explicitly say that she Hen Heinrich is the name of her second right. husband does she explicitly say that she's unhappy with him I feel like what happens is both Oscar Isaac and uh, Liv Ullman, both the caretakers, talk about their second spouses in the same way. Oscar Isaac doesn't say anything about the sex. He actually talks about like the Jewishness yeah. of it and how he didn't realize how much he likes having someone who knows all the same idioms and the same customs and the same holidays and this kind of thing. And he didn't realize how you know essential that was in some way. Whereas Liv Ullman says oh, you know, I'm very fond of him, we have great sex, and I didn't realize that's something that I needed in my life. Uh, and of course, this whole time, Johan's, Erlen Josephson's face is becoming increasingly sad because she doesn't realize she's, like, incidentally emasculating him. And he's like, oh, I don't live up to this standard, right? Uh, but then, yeah, Liv Ullman goes on to say, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't long before I caught him fooling around with other women. And then she admits, and then I started doing it too, and this kind of thing. And so to me, it's, I don't know if, like, Os like Oscar Isaac says about his second wife, who is Jewish, it's a different kind of love. I don't think they're unhappy with it. I think it's the Band-Aid thing. And I think it's, I get different things from these different people that you could not offer just because you're a different person. But you are the first person I fell in love with. And even though the love I have now is not as strong, there's still something there keeping it together. And I don't I don't know if that's a sad thing so much as it's just like matter of fact. It's just like that's kinda of what happens. Every dynamic is so different and you get different things from different people. Uh I don't think that Liv Ullman is in a loveless marriage. She seems I mean I could go to the scene and like read the subtitles, but she does say both her and Oscar Isaac use sort of like I don't want to say wishy-washy, but they never quite say the word love. They go like, I'm very fond of her. Well, it, works, right. it works really well. You know what? It's such a, it's actually a really good working I feel like that's kind of why I almost like literally kind of are like, they don't think, they don't admit to loving the other person. And so I guess that's where I'm like, but, but I mean, I'm with you that it's not I, like a negative, like there are still very positive yeah. things overall that they talk about. And so, yeah, I completely agree with those things. And I think the Jewish thing probably does kind of stand in for the sex thing where here's something he wanted right. that, uh, that, was that she couldn't give him. Yeah. Um, 
I guess mm-hmm. I, part of but me I, is just analyzing a little bit of like you guys, like mm-hmm. you're you're all unfaithful to each other, and you're now having an affair with your ex-husband. So I'm like, so part of me is is throwing that mm-hmm. in. It's like, well, it doesn't seem like you're that happy if this is what's going on. But uh, but go but right. go ahead. Well, I think well a couple things. One, I think both caretakers talking about their second spouses to their ex-spouse it must be difficult to admit that you love the person. That's why I was saying, oh, I'm really fond of them. I, think, I mean, think about that. You're talking to the one person that you loved and had a marriage with for 10 years. And they're like, you know, like we said, the first piece of tape, the first Band-Aid, and you can't really reapply it the same way. And so it must it's extra difficult in that context to admit, oh yeah, I really, really, really like this person to the person you actually like more. Right, um, so there's that too. There's I think there's a hesitance because of who they're talking to. If they were talking to a coworker, and you know their spouse just did something cute over the phone or last night, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, I love her. She's great." Yeah. You know, but they might have that memory of of their ex of their first husband or whatever, and go, "Yeah, but that was better." <laughs> you know, and so I I think the whole series, whether it's who's cheating on who and why they're cheating and going back to your ex and and dumping people and all this. Uh, The whole point is, and I think they say something about it uh, in episode six when they're laying in bed after she has the nightmare. And she says like, you know, essentially can people ever really be happy or fulfilled? Or, Or, but she puts it in the more poetic way of, are we all as humans just like, sliding down a slippery slope and er- Erlen Josephson just called me is like yeah yeah we are uh, and I think that's more the point is like you never there's no one person that's going to be 100% fulfilling for you, to you and I think the whole series is about like we've said many times these people are in a quote unquote perfect marriage in so many ways In if there's 10 boxes you can check off in some fucking Cosmo magazine that tells you you have the perfect marriage, they have like nine of them. And in one of them, they're missing the sex, and in the other one, they're missing their religion. And for whatever reason, that makes them look elsewhere. And I think the point is, you can never meet somebody who's going to fulfill you 100%. You will always be a little tempted to look elsewhere, even if you don't act on it. Uh, Maybe that's not true for everyone. But that seems to be what this series is is saying a lot of the time is like you there's always something there's always something more out there in the world you know but but then you get into insecurities and you know mutual respect for your loved one uh that uh prevents people from you know actually seeking out and going elsewhere that's my favorite one uh no, see, I feel like that's kind of where I'm, I differ from you in the sense that I don't think it's mm. about every relationship. I think it's about the this specific marriage. And um, so, although I, I would agree, because of these set of circumstances, this is what's happened. I would not say that this always happens. I think that if this... I, part of mm. me takes this as a... They should have just stayed married as like a warning of like, oh, this if this couple had just stayed married, 
um, they pr they would have been mm. more fulfilled, um, but they felt the mm. need to try these other things, and they got to see what it was like. And I think the the mom, mm -hmm. the Jewish mom, is does kind of represent yeah. that viewpoint and say it's like. Mm -hmm. Well, so but, does the so does Liv yeah. Ullman's mom. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. I think that's why we have that's why we have that character of the their respective mothers who who stayed right. with their father even though from the child's perspective they're like you didn't even right. like dad in both of them right and they're like and both the mothers are like you don't know what the fuck right. you're talking about essentially um because again that is a different kind of love because they're two totally different people um and I, I, again i don't think that it's about all marriages but i also don't think it's just about this specific couple i think it's about this type of marriage i think it's about this set of circumstances where one person does go and look like elsewhere. kind of what and, happens and, and the havoc okay. yeah and the havoc that wreaks and how people how exes keep coming back together every few years if they stay in touch and of course it usually if you're divorced and you have kids you have to stay in touch to some extent uh or one would hope or but, you um, should at least i mean yeah uh right I mean, my I don't my my parents haven't my parents are divorced, but I don't think they talked in years, probably over a decade. But that's because both the kids right. are grown up but and out of the house. But they did when you were younger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I I mean, I, I take your point, but I I guess part of me, I feel like I could be a little bit more specific, where I'm like, oh, um, it it still does seem very rooted to the characters and kind of what happens, but I would say you you could certainly make an argument for if you have a seemingly good marriage at 10 years and you have a lot of things going at you mm -hmm. and this kind of situation gets thrown into your relationship, this is one of the, th the things that could happen. <laughs> and ultimately mm -hmm. you will never know if you made the right decision or not, which, which I think is kind of what happens at the end. Right. Well, it, I think it, it, yeah. that's the thing is I don't think there is yeah. a right decision. There's just a couple different decisions you could make. And that's why you see the the old women, you know, there's also in episode two of the Bergman ones, still I think my favorite episode of the whole of all of these. Uh, there's the woman who complains about wanting to get a divorce because her kids are finally out of the house Crazy and she's been thinking about it forever. That's your favorite episode. Okay. <laughs> I love that episode. I do, I do. Um, I just think it says a lot of things in a really crafty way that speaks on everything that's about to happen in the next few episodes. Um, yeah, just for the record, I will say for the, the nth time, episode two, the original scenes for a marriage, my favorite episode out of all 11 episodes, original or reboot. I think it's great. Um, and uh, anyway, should not have been cut from the new one. Anyway. Um, but I think that's why we see this woman in episode two complaining about her loveless marriage and just wanting to live alone because she made the decision to stay with him even though she didn't want to. Then what? Then we see both the mothers of just uh, it's Jessica Chastain's mother and then no, sorry, it's Liv Ullman's mother and then Oscar Isaac's it's the caretaker's, caretaker's mother's yeah. is yeah, um, and both of them criticize their mother for sort of seeing their deceased uh, father with sort of rose-colored glasses 
and attempt to be a little critical or sort of pry a little and be like, hey, come on, just admit it. You don't, he's gone. You don't have to pretend anymore. And both times they get a little reprimanded of like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? They, don't, they don't have a very me. different you know? definition of marriage, which I do think is interesting because it's not about, I would agree, it's not about being right or wrong. Um, but I would still look at their state of minds at the end end of this episode and i would just for me it's a very dark place that they both are kind of at like i and so uh-huh. i do take that into consideration with like the overall message because i'm like they just seem like especially he seems not great like he seems to have like lost a sense of which yeah, one Oscar Isaac, the caretaker like yeah. when he talks about how like he started cheating because he started cheating recently where um live old men it was mm-hmm. like oh this was an old thing but it, it switched in this yeah. one where he's like yeah i just cheated on my wife no reason and now i've had like a one night yeah yeah and he's like i've had a couple one night yeah. stands but those yeah. don't really count and my first thought was like yeah they do well i was just like wow well, he's but... like lost a part of his identity that used to be really important to him and it's like it, it, it well i think that's because he has traded <clears throat> all the things that he got from the marriage with Jessica, Jessica Chastain and those different fulfillments, you know, those 9 out of 10 boxes checked of the perfect marriage. And he's traded it for just the one box that was oh, left over. I would which is what they both the, I would give up. It's, yeah, I know. Well, we don't know anything about no, it. I'm just... I'm elaborating. And we only the get analogy, a certain but... perspective, which it's like we don't get all the scenes with her. Right. And like that is something that I. That's kind of why I'm like that. We don't have enough information to really make, because we're only right. getting the scenes with the, the. I mean, he does say that he stayed with her because she got pregnant and he wanted another kid. He makes that yes. pretty clear. He. But he also makes it clear that he's looking elsewhere, uh, and having affairs because the sex is not rewarding with his new Jewish. And wife. he does. Does it, which I guess with Jessica Chastain right. it was for him. But he doesn't him. really so, like it. To him, it's just kind of like whatever. Like that's to me is the right. sadness about his character is that he's just he doesn't really care. Like before, his character is like really passionate about like the mm-hmm. value of things and behavior, and like he's a really invested yeah. in. I mean, he said he's he says he's lost his moral right, superiority. Right. Yeah. And she's like, no, she's like, no, you haven't. And he's like, yeah, maybe not. And then he talks for a couple more minutes, and she's like, oh God, you right. actually have. I know. And he's just like right. coming from you, yeah. And there's that moment. Uh, it's so hard to watch them breaking into their own house and like look, looking. <laughs> and to me, I was just kept on thinking, it's like they're oh, looking yeah. at what could have been. They're like they're trying. They're breaking into their right because their kids. And I think you know what's actually I just realized. Sorry, no, because I'm just like it's such the like a road less traveled and that, that that very specific idea of trying to see your what your life could have been had you taken a different mm-hmm. choice in the past. Like that's exactly what right. they're doing in like looking at the room and how it was decorated and imagining it. They're imagining right. their their alternate life which is which is universe which yeah is together dark, so dark go ahead yes yeah yeah and i just realized because you said that uh so they go into the different kids rooms and stuff and like <clears throat> you know they talk about oh the the, the closet smells because the kids play hockey and all this stuff it's like a lot of really 
cute little specifics that happen. And they're like, oh, well, they didn't, they couldn't really improve on the bedroom. And then they're sitting in the kitchen and she's like, you motherfuckers. Like, like kind of gets mad at the new couple for doing a better out, you know, feng shui than she ever had. But then what I just realized while you were saying that with the whole house metaphor that's in the reboot the, the whole time, they go to the attic. And the attic is clearly a teenager's right, room. The, ch- the kid. And their kids never, their kids never got to live in that house until they were teenagers, right? Their kids were still kids. And then they spend, I think, the rest of the night, that's like where they sleep and have the, the, the nightmare and stuff, in the attic. And one of the things Jessica Justine says is like, they actually did it. Like, we would have done it. And uh, they talk about how they always had plans for the attic and they never did anything with it. And then she sort of, she sort of gasses him up a little bit, Oscar Isaac, and is like, oh, you would have made a great attic. He's like, yeah. And just like kind of trails it, off, but it, what's interesting, it's I love the that child it's, they it's, aborted though. That's what's so sad about it. That's what they're ta- that's oh, what they're I didn't talking even think about. about. That. They're talking about that child would have been a teenager at that time when any anyway. That's right. why it's so dark. <laughs> yeah. But also, let's not let's it's it's that too. But it's there's so many layers to the attic yeah. and ta- uh, taking place there in the cool teenagers' room in the attic with like the Christmas lights strung up all year round and that kind of thing. Uh, and so isn't it also, they want to go back so far in time that they wish they could just meet each other over again in college, right? They kind of want to, this whole night, which is the last episode, is like, I'm not, it's not let's forget everything we've been through, but it's let's just regress. Yes, I agree to, with that. To being yeah, children re- together. Let's regress to being children together and let's spend the night in the teenager's room as if we have no worries at all. Let's sleep in let's sleep in the attic that we never got to have as you know, as a couple, uh, as you know, college students when we met. Let's have let's have that thing that we wanted, right? I had yeah. So it's like they're all, they're they're regressing to, to teenage level romance, and they're also lamenting their child that they never had the house that they never fully lived in there's a lot of layers to that attic yeah it it is the the metaphorical representation of the past or the alternative version that they never explored and they are yeah you could say regressing in their behavior and incredibly regretful that they did not stay Mm -hmm. married married I, I guess like I, they don't right. say it specifically but that's what they're literally doing like she and when she mm-hmm. goes up in the attic it's such like a dark moment because it's just kind of like she's thinking about oh this is where the child that I aborted this is where he if we had finished the like uh-huh. we would have had to finish it to have right. another child here and that's and the fact that she wants to go upstairs and look into the room and see it, mm-hmm. like to me, that is just deeply sad. Like someone like in a very dark place mm-hmm. in their life that they're like, want to look at the some of the hardest decisions they made. Well, it's also like, yeah. No, Sorry, you know, you're fine. I'm like, just that's why it's just it's cringy. Like, I'm just like, ah. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, we didn't even talk about the fact of him 
revealing that he drove past their old house every day, which people get nostalgic. They drive by places they used to live, whatever. But then he saw it on Airbnb, and he, like, subscribed to updates about it, found out when it was open, got this for them. But the thing is, it's like the decision to Airbnb your former house with your ex-wife, who you lived in that house with, with a of a, with another family's stuff in it, is both a horrifying and beautiful decision. Oh, to it make. is. It's creepy. And then, yeah, and I think yeah. that's why. I think what well, I don't think I thought that you would say that. I thought you would say it's creepy, but to me, there's something well, well like almost endearingly naive about his decision to do this. It's like he's like, "Lo, let's spend the let's spend the night where we wish that we could sleep." Right, and so that's it's both tragic and I think it's really naive on his part to not realize that all those emotions are going to come up, whether they're saying them. Oh, or I not. think he wants it to. Happen. And I think that's, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, but I think that's also why, in the original, as soon as they get to the cottage, they're like, "Nah, this is weird. Let's let's go. Let's go to the right. other cottage." Right. Which is maybe the more mature decision, even though the night plays out the same way. But I think that's why in the new one, there's they're regressing a little bit. Like they kind of they kind of sneak around the house and look in all the rooms, right? Like kids. I mean, when she goes up to the attic, right? When he's on the phone with his now wife and son in the bathroom, she goes into the attic, and the first thing you see is like an an orange sign with fucking bubble letters on it, like it was written by written by a teenager that says do not disturb or like do not go in and she just like kind of like having fun like a teenager like kind of sneaks in and like opens the door to go to the attic i mean that's a very childlike thing to do to see a door that says no and go well i'm gonna do it anyway you know she's she's essentially trespassing <laughs> in the airbnb uh because there's a sign that tells you not to uh and so there's like a little bit of naughtiness or like of enjoying what you're not supposed to do or see right you know what fuck i just really so the attic is the top of the house which they never got to live towards that sentence is phrased weird but <laughs> um but remember uh when she comes back after she breaks up with him i think episode three of the reboot and he says, oh, we, we moved everything to the basement because I just couldn't be on the second floor anymore. Yeah. Right? And so it's like that, I just realized, was another regression. If the house is the overlying metaphor of the whole thing, it's like they, they had filled up these two levels of the house, the first two floors. The cheater leaves, and then the caretaker's like, I can't even be on the second floor anymore because the second floor belongs to me and my wife. And he regresses down to the main floor with the kid. And he's like, yeah, we started sleeping down here. I just couldn't be up there anymore. And then when they finally come back, they transcend that even more. And they go to the attic, which they never actually got to live through. Right? Maybe I'm taking the metaphor too far. But that made sense to me. No. Like, once he gets broke up with, he regresses to the main floor. They finally come back. They get to see the attic that never was. Right, and now they're at the top of the house, the peak, the end of the relationship, essentially. 
Because we don't know if this is the last time they ever see it, each this other. This is also like, you right. could say, stages of your life or stages of the mar- marriage uh-huh. is, I guess, more apt. But no, I think the metaphor, I think that's why I don't think it's overtly creepy that he's doing this because I know it's for the metaphor. Like what I was saying like before about the violence, it becomes more of this almost a Greek tragedy in the sense. It, yeah. It's elevated. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of get that him, oh, I'm driving by the ha- house is really him saying, hey, I'm thinking about what could have been, you know? And I'm like, and then and then we met the other night and we were just like primarily aggressively attracted to each other just like we were when we first met in college and so yeah we're these young kids again and we're like just having an affair and she's kind of like they're becoming and this is why I'm like yeah you could you, you could go with the whole loveless thing but they are now the worst versions of themselves which is so sad like you yeah think? like she's becoming more and you you could say I, I think they've just experienced a lot of loss and a lot of disappointment I don't know if that makes you the worst version of yourself oh you mean because they're both actively cheating well on their that's spouses. that's part of it but I'm just saying like there's states of who now they think they are like so she, her opinion of uh. herself is that she can't be in a faithful relationship anymore she can't be married she always needs to be alone his opinion of himself is that now he has no moral compass and he's like just always gonna uh-huh. cheat she, i'm just like they are not they are not right. who they were as a married couple and they seemed more fulfilled right. in the versions of themselves that they were before and now they're, they have, and I, I would say regressed, or like specifically with her, because I guess we know that she was like this before they got together. With him, I don't know. I don't know wh- why he's become how he is. Is it just because he's less secure now as a person? Like I, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Uh, well, I think that's also why it's sort of a bombshell when Liv Ullman is like, by the way, even during our perfect marriage, I cheated right. on you, and he's like. He's like, I had no idea, right? And I think that's because we see her as the... Liv Ullman's version of the caretaker is... What's the right... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like, um... I'm not saying she's faultless. Or or that she's the victim. But that she's the, uh... We see her as more innocent. Oh, maybe. yeah. For or... Sure. Yeah. But it comes to pass in the last episode that her, for lack of a better word, secretiveness, because she waited till many years after they were divorced to even tell him, by the way, I cheated on you after we had our first kid, which is shocking to him because that's just beyond his sphere of, that's beyond his sphere of understanding of the type of person that he thought she was, right? But she never was that person. She actually is just holds her cards a little closer to the chest than we all thought. That's part of like the comment on like you could say women in general in the original is how men take them for granted as not sexual beings and then we learn how important sex is to live old men and we don't get that in the reboot because it doesn't make sense, sense that we're, that we're, <laughs> right right because the dynamics yeah, we don't, are switched, yeah we don't need to know that sex is really important to a, a man apparently that's not 
messaging that right. needed to be focused on in the in uh-huh. the re- reboot. But, but uh, we did need to know that um, being Jewish is important to him. That that is a yeah. Yes. Well, that's sort of based on <laughs> the guy that wrote it. Well, um, yeah, not all men. Hagai Levi. Yeah. Um, apologies to Hagai Levi that I will never be able to pronounce your name correctly. I don't. I don't. Don't um, say never. I mean, you got time. You got never time. Never say never. This is. You can figure never this out. Never say never. Um, I'm totally gonna use "never say never" as the outro now. I'm not sure. Although that's definitely part of it. The Bergman's comment on women and the the different comments on sex in both series but I also think that Liv Ullman's reveals in the last episode are well like I said holding your cards closer to the chest than people think you are uh, and being being I don't, I don't secretive always sounds like you're doing something bad and I don't think that's what's happening although not telling your spouse you cheated on him anyway I'm getting sidetracked what I'm trying to say is I think the the larger comment of her revealing all these things many years down the road is you never really know what people are thinking. You never really know if the people you know lead a double life. You know, we're all so separate that you can't really... Whatever your impression of your friend or your spouse is, they have thoughts that you could never imagine. Because they just don't come off that way. I mean, the surface is you know, belies a lot of things going on under the surface. That's another stupid sentence. That's like, the, what did I say, moving towards the attic? So the surface <laughs> anyway, is actually uh-huh. on so top so- of what's underneath. That's uh, right. I had no idea. I had no idea. That's correct. Uh, anyway, I'm thinking on the fly here. I did not have any of this planned. I'm figuring it out as I go, all right? Right. Um... Anyway, that's all I was saying, is that people do hold their cards close to the chest. I wish I, I, wish I could think of a better metaphor or idiom. Uh, but people do have their secrets. People do have those innermost parts of them that they are just never going to share. And they're going to die with that. Uh, and they don't need to share them, too. Those are private things that are in your mind. Uh, and I think Liv Ullman even says, like, and had I told you about it then... I, I think she says it would have smashed our marriage to smithereens, which I think is a really funny translation because I don't know if she's saying the word smithereens in Swedish. She probably is. But uh, she might be, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think a lot of the series is about you never really know what your partner is thinking. Not in a bad way, certainly not in a creepy way or anything, but just there are always going to be these aspects of someone's personality that they don't, their inner personality that they don't share. There's always going to be tons of little things that you just don't get to know because we're all in separate bodies and that's not you know, fair. I want to know. We're, we're other, <laughs> you know, we're, out, we're outside of each other. And that's why love is so difficult this. because we're fundamentally we're separate. We're able to just put some kind of uh, mind melt or uh, we'll be able to just start being able to tap into people's minds um, through... <laughs> I don't think humans are ready for telepathy. I don't think we're at that look, point. Uh, I really think that... Look, we're going to be able to know everything I about think, the people. I feel like that's where we're going in society, where there's... 
No, I think we're going to have a lot of data no on more everyone. Super lives. No more. Yes. Uh-huh. I disagree. I disagree. Even when, even when there's little fucking drones flying around scanning your face so you can go in certain buildings all the time, and you know, whatever, whatever that is, 30 years, whenever they have fake facial recognition everywhere... Next week. Um, <laughs> good one. Uh, so, even when they get that and they know where you are at all times... You know, like, Philip K. Dick talks about this all this, or writes about this stuff all the time, where people, you know, criminals just invent new ways to trick everything. They wear uh, different contact lenses for retina scanners. They wear, you know, faces they can peel off so they can get into certain areas, all this kind of stuff. But without getting too sci-fi, because I'm getting sidetracked, even all the data that's being accrued on us that's at all you're times... That's why you're selling those, those contacts and masks, right? Just the contest. The masks are for Halloween. Too, but you've been um, trying to sell those for a while now. Still, I'm ahead of the curve. Yeah, I'm ahead of the curve. These are going to be hot. All right. I mean, you're anyway, saying that this is uh, going to happen. I mean, but so far, nobody's uh-huh. buying those contacts. Well, they will. Uh, as soon as retina scans become the norm. You better believe people are going to want these. I mean, you could just wear sunglasses. That's all I'm saying. Like, just... No, because they have to scan your eye. You don't understand the future. There's other ways to block the face recognition besides contacts. No, I'm talking about retina scans. I'm not talking about facial recognition right now. You can't can't put on sunglasses and have a retina scan work. What are you talking about? So so you're saying that people can do retina scans, like, just from traffic lights? That that's the future? I'm saying in the future there will be in the enormous amount of data that they are accruing every day on us now will be put to use so that people will be tracked. And I don't think this is a, even a particularly ominous thing. I think it probably will diminish crime and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's creepy because we've been talking about it in sci-fi for the last hundred years. But, you know, in 2121 hundred years from now, it'll just be the norm anyway. No. Uh, what I'm getting at is <laughs> to get back to the fucking to get back to the fucking episode. Uh, what I'm getting at is even though we have all this data on individuals and we can track where everyone is and the algorithms know exactly what to show us so that of what we want to buy and so they know us to that extent, they still don't know your innermost thoughts. They still, just like your partner, there's still those sides of your personality that you're not Googling, so they don't fucking know. I mean, we still have 27,000 thoughts every you know few hours that they'll never know, that technology will never get to. Unless, like we said, we get to some kind of telepathy. But I think humans are way too primitive for telepathy. I think we'd go insane. If I don't, I don't, I don't know if thoughts. people are really thinking about things that are that, but maybe you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think this has come up before. I think maybe on our, our episode about Fritz Lang's yeah. M, yeah, this might have come up when it was like, if you only right. knew the thoughts of your coworker in his cubicle over there, who seems like a harmless Joe. That guy has the fucking darkest fetishes in the world. Joe, really? And, but how do you know? I, yeah, How do Joe. you know Joe? 
Because I put on a, I put on my sci-fi helmet and okay. I read his mind. This is all making a lot of sense. See, I don't. I mean, some people do. Like, I I guess, but part of me thinks it's it's kind of a cheap out too to just be like, well, you don't know. People could be, and it's kind of it is kind of scary. Oh, I'm not saying everyone is fundamentally dark thoughts. I'm just saying, to get back to the couple and like why love is so difficult, it's because you never, you never really get to see a hundred percent of someone. Sure. And that's why in both of, both scenes from marriages is, they they say, oh well, I had no idea you were unhappy, and they're like, well, that says something, doesn't it? And it's like, no, it doesn't. You didn't tell me you were unhappy. I can't. I can't read your mind. <laughs> There's always going to be something that you're not able to guess, no matter how intimate you are with no, your partner. Sure. Um, on that yeah. note, should we call it an early episode? I guess it's just kind of late. late. Yeah, let's call um, it. We can certainly continue. It is. It's just. It is just kind of dark because I'm. Part of me is just like. Uh, I just responded. I am just. I'm really sad for them, and then like seeing them kind of grieve their marriage in this weird regression. Mm-hmm. It's what could have been? Oh, it's, it's just dark. And yeah, they seem like they'll be they'll be okay, I guess. I mean... Yeah. Well, we also know, this is not for the HBO one, but Bergman's final film is a sequel to this called right. Saraband. Which we, we have not which seen. Should, should we watch it? Should we just do that next week? Yeah, I think so. Might as well. Might as well figure out what happens. This is just a bizarre thing that I'm going to mention. All right. I've noticed, so I was yeah. looking at Blu-ray copies of um, Husband and Wives, and it's been going up steadily in price. Now it's almost $40, where it was $30. Before. It's probably because they don't make yeah, them anymore. so all of, or I should say a lot of uh, Blu-rays by Woody Allen are skyrocketing on Amazon. Like, they're just... Two hundred dollars wow. for a copy of this, or you know, it's because they're not going to make them anymore. I guess is they're just or they're not being reprinted. I bet once he passes away, they're not going to make him anymore. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. A lot of this stuff is still just like ten dollars or whatever. But there's certain certain right. older ones that are. Um, what about the DVDs? Um, DVDs are roughly. I guess I didn't look specifically, um, but. Anyway, I'm kind of not surprised. Like, I wasn't expecting that to happen, but... Like, Manhattan Murder Mystery is almost $100. I mean... Wow. And that's the actual Amazon version? That's not That's not a used copy that someone's uh, hiked up? Oh, I'm sure it's... Let's see. It's Blu-ray. It's a new copy. It's a new Blu-ray. It's hmm. not from Amazon, but it's, like, on their website. Um, Crimes and Misdemeanors, $200. What? Yep. The DVD is $49. Oh, good. good thing you can pretty much illegally download oh, yeah, and, all of them in like you, a single And you could just download. buy the digital, but I think that there is a return to people wanting to buy Blu-rays because they're afraid the service providers are going to like edit the films more now. So it's like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I would rather just buy um, something. I don't... This is definitely a side co- topic, but I was just like... I don't want to buy too much stuff. I've been thinking about how there's nothing but 
the new thing um, is storage places are everywhere. Like uh, just down the street from where I live, there is three different uh, storage places. And I'm like, yeah, this is where society is going. We're, we're not, we don't need stores and restaurants and places. We just need places to store all the crap that we're buying. You know, that's, that's the new uh -huh. industry. Um, and so I try not to buy as much. But then when I see stuff like this, I'm just like, wow. this is crazy. Broadway Danny Rose is $99. Yeah. Although the DVD is still $11. Right, and you could still get this so. stuff digitally if you wanted to, too, a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, but, Wild. yeah, it's, it's crazy. Anyway. Um, but what should, we, uh, what should we do now? Should we do yeah, the ratings? Do the like, finally get... Okay, uh, well, first of all, wait. Uh, per episode. So, the divorce papers episode. Episodes three and four. What's your... What do you think? Who won? Who won the week? Who, who had the better divorce? You know, this is tough. And I feel like... I feel like, overall, this is probably one of my least favorite episodes in the series. Um... I think it's the hardest one to yeah, watch, but yeah. I don't know about least favorite. It just, like, it, it, I guess it took, I got to the point where I was a little disconnected from what was happening, and then it was just kind of sad, and, mm. uh, like, seeing her really broken in the HBO version, and then seeing Johan really broken, I was kind of, like, happy to see Johan broken, um, but her, yeah. seeing her broken uh, was a little I, harder, I was just, like, I felt bad for her a little bit. Yeah. So, I guess my ranking is 7.2 bears per episode. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so e they even out. They balance. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm giving them each 7.2 okay. bears. Um, actually, I'm taking off point one from the original because that fight sequence was pretty stupid like the way that they shot it where was, yeah, the yeah. way that yeah yeah way too close up i mean the, the whole thing is close ups it's but just, that one it was, seemed like they were having some yeah. kind of hockey fight he was trying to like pull his her, her shirt over her head like it was not like uh -huh. the hbo version like it was much more this is a real fight uh, pretty, so yeah. i'm taking off point 1 for that and so i'm making the reboot wins the week just solely on that fight sequence taking me out of it i'm gonna agree with you although not on the number of bears sure but that fight sequence i think well like i said earlier the slow build up to it up to the breaking point and i think in the original since erlen Josephson loses his shit and starts the hockey fight you know we've seen domestic violence of men on women many many way too many times in the world and in movies uh, and I think something that's very rarely shown in stories or cinema is when women lash out, which does happen. Although I think the repercussions are probably milder because men can, in most cases, do a lot more damage. But I'm going to have to say the HBO one for the divorce episode wins also because there's just that moment after they... You know, so they sit, they sign the documents, right? The divorce papers, in, in total silence after they finally like physically fight and they like get out all that aggression that they had against each other for years. And he's like, 
few stupid gestures. Because, again, Jessica Chastain is the one who starts the physical fight. She starts like, he, He's trying to leave. He's trying to walk out the door. And she just starts fucking pummeling him and flailing her limbs. And then they sign the documents. And he says, we should have done this a long time ago. And that's the end of the episode. Which I wanted to bring up earlier, but I forgot. And I think he's not saying we should have signed the divorce papers a long time ago. He's saying we should have let our frustration reach a peak a long time ago so that we would have known, so that we would have had an out, so we would have had an exit, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I, I actually love that last line because it is a little ambiguous as to whether he's talking about the fight or the signing of the papers. I mean, it's both, right? But anyway, I think the, the way the fight plays out and that final line of that episode... I think is great, and that's why that episode wins. Because it leaves you in uh, kind of like a, a more difficult, like ambivalent place than the other one does. Um, although I still think the Bergman episodes are better written in terms of dialogue. Well, but not better, but it's I, I like his poetic way of saying things. It's, it's an unfair comparison yeah. when you have somebody yes. who's doing something for the first time, and so... You know, in a lot of ways, the HBO version should be better in the sense that it has more context that it can depend on the viewer from having when watching it. Because, well, I'm sure pe some people are watching it for the first time, but it's like he gets to kind of have these very specific layered comments, but then at the same time kind of laser in and reuse the same structure. So he doesn't have to worry about like getting lost in the weeds and anything. He, he takes everything back to the original structure, and he just adds a little mm -hmm. bit more. Uh, of his own thing. Yeah, which I will use that to segue into the last episode, which what did you think about her right. saying, oh, this was at the end of the mo a movie once, and gives the line of the oh, right. name of the episode, which I was just like... I thought it was, I thought it was okay. cute. Well, he, in the original, Erlen Jofensen recites this right. poem which is the title of the episode it's like in the middle of the night in a dark house somewhere in the world and Erlen Josephson sort of recites this little poem but a much long like a longer version with several more lines whereas Jessica Chastain just sort of like hums the title in the middle of the night in a dark house somewhere in the world and I think one more line after that and Oscar Isaac, who's like falling asleep like a little baby, sort of hugging her, uh, John Lennon Yoko Ono right. style. Um, and he says, That's nice, what's that from? And she's like, Oh, it's from a movie. And so it's, I don't know, it's cute. My only answer is, I think it's cute. I could have done without it, but I don't mind that it's there. And I think this is one of the times where the, we talked earlier about the, the meta thing of starting on the film set and of course the last episode does not do that it ends on the film set right so she says oh you know I heard it in a movie and then there's sort of nice music and they fade out and then you hear okay cut and they both get up the crew comes and gives them their robes and stuff and then they go to their respective uh, trailers the two actors right which I thought was a nice touch to do at the end of the last episode we didn't really it came up, but what, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the meta 
uh, intros and outros on the film set. I almost want to watch, because I'm like, I thought they did it at the start of the last episode. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting episode six, you. Or episode five. I'm like, yeah. I almost want to just check, because I'm like, did it? I did, uh, I did double check oh, last okay. night once they did I believe it. You then. Um, well, I guess I did yeah. not think about it. It, t- it took me out of it. I, I guess I felt... Did I need it? Did you watch the, like, there was their behind-the-scenes footage for the... I, I hate how HBO has this thing where on a lot of their shows they do, like, inside looks. I know. And it's just, like, the actor or actress, like, telling you, like, the subtext for the scene. And it's just, like, so frustrating to me. I'm like, I would love to see special features or like more info about the process but like to just hear an actor or actress tell me well this is what i was going for in that scene i'm like i i don't need that like what uh, yeah no i i think on the first episode i watched like a minute of it and was like yeah it annoys me they used to do it for game of thrones but game of thrones a lot of it was the visual effects and it was really interesting but as like Mm -hmm. with these with the white lotus i noticed they were doing that i was just like well i was just like i guess you think that either i'm dumb or you're not a very good actress that you have to tell me like your character motivation for the scene right well, I'm sure the I'm sure the actors don't want to do it. I'm oh sure it's yeah, written into the contract with HBO of like, I'm hey, not, we need yeah, these. I'm not um, them. Yeah, they make the DVD extras while the actors have downtime. Okay. I know commentaries are a lot of time made before the movie gets released, which is interesting. So it's like when you're hearing like your mm. them talk about the movie, they could no idea how successful or unsuccessful it was. Um, not always, but that is sometimes the case. Uh, so I felt about the meta thing the meta thing was a disconnect and it did make me think about like the tone that they were going for and how it wasn't that it was really not trying to be realistic in in, a, in some ways and I guess that's what I kept on like hmm. drawing to at the uh, end when I was talking about like just the metaphor and it being uh. like just a little heightened and so I, I thought that that mm-hmm. meta thing added into that tone. Um, it was a little um, disconcerting, I guess you could say, like when it, when it happened, because you're just like, it really takes you out of it. And uh, especially in the last See, one, I, I was just like, oh, you know, I was just like, that probably was a real intense yeah, moment. Yeah. And so it just made me think about that. But any, anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it couldn't take me out of it because it happens only in the first like minute of the episode and I think it seems to me like this is his version of the audio credits oh. he's like well I can't do audio credits so I'm gonna do that's, my that's thing he's like and I'm just gonna I'm gonna show the film set uh, at the begin for the first minute or two of every episode I'm gonna show the film set and then you know Jessica Chastain's gonna walk through the door and then the scene starts and we're not gonna see the film set anymore like he does a, an interesting thing where it does flow right into it like you see them on the film set and then gradually and then it's like oh the scene starts and for me it, it didn't take me out of it it allowed me to get like dropped into the scene in a weird way like in a counterintuitive way where it was like I mean in a couple minutes I completely forgot that they just showed the film set every episode you know I think that's the point is like it doesn't matter if I show you this artifice and that this is all staged because in a few minutes, you're going to be wrapped up in these people's stories. And I think there's like a little bit of hubris to that, which I think is why people don't like 
meta things. It's like, oh, you think you can flex that you can take us out of the movie and then put us back in it because you're such a good director, you know? I've heard people lament it in that way before, but I don't really feel that way. And I don't mind that it happened at the end of the last episode. That just made sense. Uh, but I also could have totally done without it. I think it's totally frivolous and unnecessary. But I feel I feel weirdly neutral about it. I'm like fine with it being there, but I'm also fine with it not. Anyway, what about episodes five and six? Who wins the final final week? Final week, I'm giving it to the Swedish version. Um, episode, I'm gonna give the Swedish version ten point one bears and I'm gonna give the original version 10.05 bears so very very close hmm. scores yeah yeah uh, that's fair I see I see what you mean uh, you know because of the metaphor of the house and the attic I want to give the HBO version the winner of the week but I gotta agree with you original versions gonna gonna take the cake here it's gonna win and I'm gonna say I'm not gonna be as generous with okay. my bears uh, I think that because of the attic I think there's one really cool teen bear like a teenage bear with like sunglasses and a skateboard like a cartoon bear is lovable but it's not always what you want to watch. Whereas the original, a loving family of two bears who have come together in their snowy cave. And let's face it, those two bears, I'd rather watch that than some, some kooky teen bear. So, uh, original's gotta win, although I do love the house metaphor and the attic. I think it's the best episode, um, in my opinion, for both of the series. Uh, episode, episode six, episode six and five, five respectively. Yeah. Um, for me, I would agree with that if there weren't episode right. two of the original. Yes, I know you, you like that episode a lot. Um, but to yeah. me, the the dialogue it just comes off as more realistic and less like metaphoric mm -hmm. like I guess how we've, how we've kind of talked about um, so I, yeah I feel like I have to kind of get away from my microphone um, but I feel like that's kind of why I'm going with the original is that that moment at the end hits home for me a little bit more like it seems a little bit more scary they seem a little bit more alone and it might have something to do with the age choice where they are aged more and they're wearing age makeup and it's been a longer time, you know, more time has passed um, where I was doing the math and it's the, it's the daughter's age that kind of clues us in where she tells her mom that it's like, oh, she's got a boyfriend now and she looks quite like a little lady now and they have kind of gray hair. So it almost seems like, mm -hmm. it, oh, and then we learn it's been like 17 no that's the hbo version hbo version says that it's been 17 years so it's so i guess seven years since so in about five years where it seems like the the uh original it's been a, about a decade and so they just seem a little bit more alone in that spot in their lives uh -huh. than 
I guess it's still it really hasn't been that long in the HBO version, which is kind of weird to think about. Like it's only mm -hmm. been five years since that divorce scene, which I mean, five years is still a long time, but electronic press. Electronic press. press. That's what they were called. I couldn't. I don't remember why I wanted that word earlier, but an EPK. That's the that's the footage of that's the shit that they make them do when they record the actors talking about their process and stuff for HBO when they when they purposely make okay. extras and they used to do this a lot in the 90s and like on VHS tapes at the end of the after the credits you would get the electronic press kit of like behind the scenes footage right, right? okay so good amount of bears overall what is what's your rating for the entire series for the original and uh, remake. Let's stick to the regular rating. Let's not do bears. Hmm. I mean, it's it's a plus. I, I can't give it a star because I haven't seen it enough times, but it's a plus um, for sure. Uh, for, for both? The scientific and my personal. Uh, I, I would say the scientific, um, the scientific actually is, is a star. Really? For the original Just and the, the reboot? Original. The re the reboot Just the original. uh it's a little harder because um it's a, the system has a hard time computing a television show uh with our with the system. It it seems They're both television shows. Right, but the original one is just older and it has a movie version of it. And so I'm really using the movie version rating and not uh -huh. the T V version rating. Seems unfair, um, but okay. So that's really what the star is for, if you really want to know. It's for the movie version. For the movie version. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I can't really do a scientific rating of the HBO version, um, unless they make it into a movie. But your personal rating oh. of the HBO version. Oh, I think it's a plus. Okay. It's a plus. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, probably maybe one of my favorite remakes ever of anything yeah probably probably up there i'm trying to think if there's anything else mm -hmm. off the top of my head that i could be like that was a remake i really enjoyed mm. i mean besides of course uh the uh <laughs> what's the the train one that johnny depp did no the oh, murder on the words of express the train one? That you, oh, i haven't even seen yeah, that yeah <laughs> that's that's a class classic remake uh, uh -huh. it's supposed to be great no no it's supposed to be awful um uh, I think you're, you're, since we're on the topic, I think my favorite remake might be Hitchcock's Man Who Knew Too Much. By himself. That he re yeah. yeah, he remade his own movie. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. count. Okay. And I, the second version I prefer wildly to the original. Well. Uh, I love I love the Jimmy Stewart one. But uh, we should watch that at some point. But my rating... Um, huh. People cite Cape Fear as a really good remake. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never seen either the original or the Marcus Scorsese one. Hmm. Um, hmm, it's tough. Uh, I I can say that for the original Bergman scenes for a marriage, it's got to be an infinity. Because uh, I think it just represents something universal uh, in each episode, repeatedly. For the reboot, I'm tempted to give it 
an infinity. But an infinity, because it, it represents and it says all those same universal things about coupling, not just a heterosexual marriage, but about any relationship, really. Uh, and just regardless of the specifics, all the emotions you go through. But I would have to put an asterisk on it, which would be unlike the Bergman one, which I can see myself rewatching 20 years from now. I don't see myself revisiting it. So it's an infinity in terms of quality, but with an asterisk of, I probably am not going to watch this again, unlike the Bergman one, which I probably will. Uh, I'm glad I watched it, however. So affinity for both. Wow. But one I, one I will revisit and one I probably won't. So that's my review. Uh, are we doing Saraband? Yeah, let's do it, Saraband. I'm down. All right. All right. Great. 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 Well, great. I guess that's it. Great. Another great episode. Very upbeat. Yeah. A lot. A yeah. lot of happiness. Um. Never say never. Again. Never say never again. Never stop stopping. Never stop starting to stop. Hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs> and it's been another exciting episode of Movie Victory, where science and movies come together. Have a great week, everybody. Until next time, this has been David Victory, your host, Huey JPEG. Have a great week. Bye!